Hello and welcome to the Teacher's Cubby podcast featuring author Miranda Mathis. This week we have Kelly Simpson-Hagen, professional artist and teacher. Hi Kelly. We are glad you accepted our invitation to be part of M Squared Books Teacher's Cubby podcast. Before we begin, let's introduce Miranda Mathis who has started this podcast for teachers. Hi Miranda. Hi, I am excited about this podcast. Thank you. Great. Let's get started. I'm going to turn this over to Miranda and return with one question to close us out. Well, before we begin, um, introduce yourself, spell your name, let us know a little bit about you. Okay. My name is Kelly Hagen. In my art world, I'm Kelly Simpson Hagen. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, um, your profession, We want to get to know you, Kelly, so tell us all about you. Well, I have been um, as a public teacher for 21 years now in a uh, school district outside of Portland, Oregon, and I started teaching in first grade, and I taught first grade for about eight years. I did one year of kindergarten, and then I received my ESL endorsement, which is English as a second language, and so I've been working with ESL students. So what, what inspired you to become a teacher? I have a lot of family that was teachers. I actually went to college to do advertising because <laughs> uh, I wanted to try to do the art avenue. Uh, and then as soon as I got out in the real world, I realized advertising is just lying to people. <laughs> and I didn't like <laughs> the first job I had was with a, uh, or was I was hired with a um, realtor and it just wasn't anything that I wanted to do. And so I talked to my mom and dad and they said, you know, the whole family's teachers. You've always loved kids. Why didn't you get your teaching credential? So I moved home for a year back to California and got my teaching credential and never looked back. It's been the best choice. You're known to do something else like your artwork. So talk, let's talk about it. So I had, I grew up, um, one of my grandmas was an oil painter. And so, and she was also a teacher, but she painted on the side. And so in the summer I would go uh, visit her in California and um, we would paint and she taught me how to do oil paint. Uh, so I've always loved doing art. It wasn't until about 15 years ago, I ended up having a major health crisis and um, relationship crisis, divorce, the whole thing came together and I started painting again. And I started with acrylic paints. I'd never really done it, but it was my way to decompress and to get all of my emotions out onto canvas. And I haven't stopped. Wow. Wow. That's wonderful. Are you a part of any organizations or programs you would like to share with us? At the moment, no, I have my own art business, um, Kelly's Art from the Soul, and I've been doing paint parties, uh, adult paint parties, and then kids, um, and then I kind of dabble in art therapy um, as well. On your website, you describe a painting as therapy. Can you share with us what what it means to you? Like I shared at the beginning, I started painting just to get all my emotions out. I ended up having a movement disorder where my entire body shut down. So I was unable, it almost looked like a seizure. Um, One of the only things I could do was art. I was stuck in a bed for a long time. A lot of the counselors said I needed to get my emotions out. This was my way of doing it. Since then, I have realized that if I don't paint, I get very irritable, (laughs) I get very edgy. And I've learned that I have to have that conduit in order for me to stay healthy physically and emotionally. I've also seen what a transformation it does with other people, adults, kids, anyone who experiences art and just the different place that it takes them um, away from real life that uh, I find it invaluable. 
how do you feel about art um, helping students in other areas in school? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I still have uh, paint on my hands from today. Because I work with English language learners, um, we have three students right now. They're all from other countries, just learning English. One little guy was had a tragic incident in Mexico as he was a baby and has had repeated surgeries. Now he's in fifth grade. He's unable to do recess, PE, anything, and he's barely able to communicate. And he's fallen into a deep depression. The other two students that I worked with today have also not wanted to go to school anymore. They feel very isolated because of the language and all of the different things that they're dealing with. And so today we saw, I've, I've watched them over the school year and they all have sketchbooks and I've noticed that they're really good artists. And so it's like, I bought them little sketchbooks for Christmas and they have just blossomed and wow. I kind of say like, this is a way um, that you can escape from your reality. Two of the three have a really tough home life. So I was saying, this is a, something in the summertime, anything you can always draw, it's free. Today, just getting to see these kids with their ideas, getting on the canvas, they're phenomenal, phenomenal artists already. Are there any practices or tips or methods of teaching um, you use with students to help them push through difficult tests or assignments? One thing that I've found most valuable is teaching the growth mindset, teaching, you know, how the brain is resilient and it's just a muscle that's constantly working. And when you're learning something new, it's going to be hard, but you're growing that muscle. And so mm -hmm. the more you practice, the stronger your muscle gets, just like lifting weights. That seems to really stick with kids. That seems mm -hmm. to be something that really works. Just saying your brain is growing. This is a muscle. You don't need to know it now. This is that we have to persevere. We have to push through. On a side note, because I work with uh, English language learners, and there's a lot of assessments that have to be done. I also teach test-taking strategies of read the question first, you know, before you read a whole entire text, um, which is usually daunting to most kiddos. I say, you know, look at the question, see what they're looking for, and then go back. And then you see the question, you highlight the answer. Half of the work is done for you. Um, but it's mainly the growth mindset and giving them the confidence to know that they can do it and push through it. And then to have that, um, that little bit of a struggle, because I think we tend as parents and teachers to want to fix it and give them the answer right away when they are struggling and having that little bit of little bit of struggle where they're trying to figure it out actually is good for the brain. And once they realize that it's okay, it seems to calm them down and then they push through. But um, it's not a quick fix, but it definitely is something that I found works with the students I work with. With that in mind, how do you connect with parents and do you have any success stories? Yeah, once with the with the groups of families that I work with, a lot of families are just navigating, you know, the United States and the system in and of itself. Um, I found that making more home visits seeming to be helpful. Um, just connecting on a relationship level before we talk about the kids and the struggles or the skills of you know whatever's happening at school. I really try to build a relationship first um, because we're going to be with them throughout you know the entire scope of their school year or school. Mm -hmm. career, I guess. But I I found, um, I even text, I have families that are on my own personal cell phone for texting. And I know most teachers don't want to do that, but I have some that that's the only way, I'm their only connection to the rest of the school because um, they just don't trust the system quite yet. But once again, with our, we had a little girl, uh, we had parent conferences and this one mom came in and she was just devastated because her son had passed away from COVID. He was three years old um, a month before. And then her brother was just shot. Portland's been very active, <laughs> but anyway, her, her brother was, had just been killed and she, and the daughter had just was barely at school. She was just a shell of a kiddo. 
So I asked, it was three weeks before Christmas. And I said, can I just pull her at recess? Cause she wasn't wanting to communicate with anyone. Um, and we did art and we just, I just taught her different strategies for getting her frustrations out, even if it's only with a pencil, you know, just so she can practice drawing and sketching. And the mom was really thankful for that just so that she had another outlet at home. I like that because you're allowing her to choose her outlet, like to do whatever she wanted to do with the pencil, not I, I need you to draw a dog or a flower or a balloon, do whatever you want. You know, a lot of us, we tend to go running or jogging or go to the gym or um, whatever gets us out of that funk or that mood. Sometimes you can't dictate what's going to get that child in a better place or thinking uh, more positive. So you have to sometimes just, if you're an art teacher, give them the pencil, say, do whatever you want. And it will, it, it, it works because I know with my writing, I can get writer's block, but something can happen and I will just start writing. And none of the things connect to a story, like one simple story, but later on it fits somewhere you know, so it's good to have your own way of getting past or getting through something. And I don't think anyone can predict it for you. You have to come up with it for yourself so that you can, you know, grow out of it. But I would like to ask you, um, do you have any tips that you can give parents to help children thrive through school or get through that school year? Yeah, for tips, I mean, I would say that Number one is just stay involved and know what's happening in class. Um, don't just trust the teacher 100%. The teacher's doing a great job, but it takes a team. And then when the students know that the teacher and parent are working together, that's when the Love it. Happens. Love <laughs> it. Right? Can you say that again? That is what this is all about. Yes. Teachers Covey is bringing teachers and parents together. Say it again, please. Yes, that's 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 the biggest bang for your buck right there. The teachers yeah. and the teachers and parents working together and anything can happen, but it needs to be on both sides, you know, uh, and it, yeah, great things can happen. I would say the other thing is, um, you know, understand where your kid is coming from and the different strengths. I think a lot of parents found out during COVID what kind of learner their kids were. <laughs> um, <laughs> Even myself, but I have a I have a fourth grader, and uh, it was you know it's it's hard putting on a different hat, uh, but just making sure, just remembering that their kids they're still learning, you know, um, they're still growing, but just be a positive um, ally with the teacher uh, will get you will get you far, and try to get into the classrooms, especially the last few years. We we need parents and anything to help. Well, how can we um, advocate for you inside and outside the classroom? Our biggest issues that we're facing are class sizes right now. Like we have 28 in the first grade and our first grade classes, 28 kids, 31 in our second grade classes. It's too much. Um, and the school districts listen to parents. Teachers' hands are tied, but school districts listen to parents and parents are the ones that are the movers and get things done. So I would say uh, advocating to make sure your child's school has low class sizes, be in there if you can, just to see what's happening in your in your child's class. Making sure you're, the, I mean, I, the teachers, there's a lot of teachers know, that don't feel as supported because of some of the attitudes that have kind of rippled throughout the country of, you can't tell me what to do. I'm my own person. You can't, there's a lot more of defiance the last few years, teaching your student or your kiddo at home, what respect looks like for adults 
And mm-hmm. that if someone asks you to do something at home or at school, you need to do it because that shows respect. That's the one of the biggest things we're, well, two big things we're noticing, class size and just the amount of disrespect happening in schools. And so it starts at home, you know, just teaching your kiddo what to it be looks kind. like. Yeah. Yeah. Kindness goes a long way. I mean, we have, we, we as adults want to be kind to each towards each other. So we are our child's mentor. So as they see us throughout our day being nice and respectful, they're learning from us. You know, we have to teach them, you know, we teach them the ABCs, their one, two, threes, their name. Well, they're children, so they have to be taught certain things. They sometimes don't just come up with it, and sometimes they do. But if you see that there is a behavior that needs a little conditioning or moving around, work on that, you know, because teachers have a hard, (laughs) a tough task. They're not just addressing your child, but they have, like you said, 20 plus other kids and personalities. I always say this throughout my entire podcast, parents, Remember, you go home to one, two, three, or four. A a teacher goes to work to not one, two, three, or four, but to 24. So imagine you and your household having 24 kids saying, mommy, I need this. Or think about what your teacher's doing for eight plus hours. So we need to be cognizant of that and understand that, yes, they get paid for the service, but just like we who are not teachers, we get paid for a service, but we want respect. We want nice, nice, niceness and kindness, and we want people to be loving and appreciate what we do. So parents, please appreciate our teachers, support them. They need it. They have to, they have, you, you may have their student. And that brings me to this next, next thing to, I want to, I want to know, do you have anything or suggestions or tips that you can give other educators and tips to teachers to help them thrive throughout their day at school? Yeah, the the two things that come to mind was uh, or what I what we saw that worked is we started teaching SEL, social emotional learning in school. Uh, the first part of the day is now class meetings school wide. We piloted it last year. Where we were reading a book every day, and we kind of talked about the different scenarios and then how you could act with empathy, with asking questions with kids that are different with different needs, and all the different things that we talk about of mm-hmm. what students need because they don't have this they don't have the language yet that's the world is still so new when we celebrate the differences and we talk about how cool it is that there's kids with all different color skin and we have seen so much growth in the students and the compassion towards each other when we focus on every day having a classroom meeting and just doing a, some sort of social emotional learning every day it might even need to be two or three times some days because there might be explosions there might be whatever But one of the big things that we found that regulated our kids was having social emotional learning when we're learning about how to deal with your emotions, how to deal with your perseverance when there's kids different than you and somebody's being angry with you. How do you, how do you react? And probably end of February, end of February, early March, we're going to transition from science into SEL with the students that I work with um, in second grade. And I want to incorporate some of your books. The other thing I would say, which is one thing that got us through COVID, <laughs> our us meeting my school, my colleagues, was finding um, teacher uh, groups on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, if you teach second grade, there's so many second grade groups or kindergarten groups, and from all teachers from all over the nation. 
getting together, sharing their success stories, sharing their frustrations. Um, we found so many good resources from other teachers around the nation, just through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and you can find it, you have an instant community if you sometimes feel isolated or looking for answers and then just don't give up, don't give up. Cause it's hard right now. It's so hard. And, you know, we just know that you're doing the right thing for all these little kiddos and just ask for help when you need it, get the support mm-hmm. when you need it. Don't feel like you're doing something wrong to ask when you're asking for help because we all need it right now. Absolutely. And you said the biggest thing, we all need it right now. So that's important. Thank you so much for participating and being a wonderful guest on my podcast. I really appreciate you. Yeah, no, this is great. This is a great platform. I mean, and thank you for giving teachers a voice. Yes, and because teachers need it, you know. I do have one thing I want to add for my listeners. Just please keep in mind that the teacher's cubby and whatever I guess says is of their opinion. It may not work for every student and every person. Just know if you can take something from it and apply it to your life, to your child, to your student, that's golden for us. I just want you to use what we have because we're in this together to work as a team. Uh, Tina, I am going to turn this back to you. Back with what I promised. One question. M Squared Books created the Teacher's Cubby to have professionals come together and share information, suggestions, and tips. Kelly, can you tell us where to find you on social media? On social media, on Instagram, I'm under Kelly's Art and Fun, and my website is Kelly's Art from the Soul. Thank you, Kelly and Miranda, for enlightening us with your conversation, and thank you for listening. Teacher's Cubby features new episodes every last Thursday of the month, so be sure to click the follow button. You can find the M Squared Books podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, our website, msquaredbooks.com, and on YouTube at Miranda Mathis. If you desire to be part of our podcast, please email mirandamathis at msquaredbooks.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Until next time, stay well and safe.